This week, we're going to continue through with being set free from me, set free from my stinking thinking. Last week, you know, we talked about how just knowing we have enemies is only half the battle. So we, we can admit that we know we have enemies. But if we don't put the action and the fight in behind that, that God has given us the ability to do, we can never overcome our enemies. We just know they're there. It's kind of like that door right there. I know it's there, but if I ain't smart enough to push it open, I'm going to run my face into it. Okay, let me do it another way. This guitar up here, if Sean never plugged it in, you couldn't hear it through the amplification. See, the problem is, is when we don't plug into the power that God's already given us, we lose the ability to have the fight we need to win the battles. See, set free for me isn't about you trying harder. It's about you surrendering more. See, that's the key. See, and then we, how many of y'all grew up going to church camps? Some of y'all did? Remember the story of David and Goliath because they taught it at every youth camp ever invented. Everybody has heard the story of David and Goliath. How many of y'all remember said it's all you picking up that stone and, and, and trying harder and winding up that sling and you throwing? No. Here's a revelation for y'all. Jesus is David in that story. You are not David. Jesus has already beat the giants in your life. See, we just got to connect. We don't have to pick up a stone because my stone ain't ever big enough to beat my giants. But Jesus has already done it. Jesus did it when he went to the cross for us. See, we talked about how we have to overcome our old habits, our old thoughts. Those seven weapons of self-destruction that we started talking about last week were shame, uncontrolled thoughts, habits, fear, hopelessness, unforgiveness or offense and insecurities. And last week we started covering those first four. We started covering how we need to flip the script in our minds, how we have to change the question from the why's and the what's going to help me get through this to the who's already helping me through it. We got to remember we have somebody who's walking with us who said he'd never leave us or forsake us, who said he'd always love us and forgive us, who said he'd walk around you, behind you, in front of you, and beside you. And that's what Jesus does. So it's not what do I need to do, it's this is who I'm walking with. And he's going to walk with you through it because Jesus has already won it. See, stop trying to overcome your giants on your own. And understand, Jesus has already overcome your giants. And your giants are anything you struggle with. They don't have to be big things. They can be little things. And that's why last week when we talked about how do we overcome shame, I remind myself what Jesus did. How do I, how do I overcome that shame, that guilt, that self-image, that self... How do I overcome that? I remember Jesus went to a cross to die for me when I didn't deserve it. And I can overcome that stuff. I can start stepping out in faith. I can start growing. Because it's not about me. It's about Him. It's not about how good is Gene. It's about how great Jesus is. And see the beauty of that. And, and, and Paul does talk about it, and I can't remember where. But he says, you know, if people are excited and people are talking about me, thank God. 
Why? It's not because I'm prideful. It's because Jesus is getting preached because Paul's life was about Jesus. And so guess what? If somebody's excited and wants to come to church because they like you and they think you're cool, that's okay. Because guess what? You're just representing Jesus. I had to learn that a long time ago. See, to me, it was a pride issue initially. Because I'm like, I don't want people watching me worship. Because I would have people come up and say, oh, Gene, it is just so fun to watch you worship. And I'm like, why are you watching me worship? And I went and counseled. Because that's when you're a Christian and you don't know what else to do. You go to your pastor and ask him. Because they're supposed to tell you what to do. Now, I'm telling you right now, I don't know what to do. So don't come and ask me. We'll look and see what God says to do. He says, do you act like that at home? Do you worship like that at home? I'm like, dude, I am an idiot wherever I go worshiping. And he goes, thanks, man. Um, he goes, then just do it. Because I had gotten to the point of I will take my base and I will walk, because we had this back room. I said, I will take my base and I'll go stand in the back room where nobody can see me worship. Because I didn't want people. And then after he told me that and I started praying about it, it's like, guess what? As people watch, watch you worship, they're drawn into worship if your worship is pure. So don't worry about what people think about you. Just be you. Because people will be drawn to Jesus because you're you. Second thing we talked about is how do we overcome those uncontrolled thoughts? How do we overcome that old nature? We try harder. We read a lot of books. And the Bible says the tongue is the most impossible thing to tame. But yet we think we're going to tame it. There's one person who tames the tongue. And his name is Jesus, and he sent you his Holy Spirit to do it. I met, I met a friend of DPB's who was driving with him yesterday. He's been saved for four months. One of the greatest ways DPB knows that he's been saved is he no longer swears like a sailor. He stopped cussing since he surrendered his life to Jesus. Now, I don't know where that swears like a sailor comes from because I was a sailor. I'm not saying I didn't swear. I'm just saying I don't know where that saying came from. But, see, we, we start, when our thoughts start to change, our tongue can change. Because remember, we talked about what you think about the most is what you're going to do. See, our old nature is, is at a constant battle with our new nature in Christ. And so in order to overcome those thoughts, we have to ask the Holy Spirit to give us better thoughts, to change what we're thinking about. See, when we receive and put on our new nature in the Holy Spirit, He came alive in you. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you is what His Word says. And so you're no longer slaves to your own sinful nature. You're no longer slaves to those same thought processes you can ask the Holy Spirit to give you new thoughts. Now, how many of y'all besides me asked that one this week? Ask if, no, God, I want to think about that. Give me different thoughts. Give me new thoughts. Give me good thoughts. Give me pure thoughts. Give me honorable thoughts. And if none of you did, please do it this week. Because guess what? That is our old nature. That is our old sinful nature trying to control us. Third thing we talked about is how do we overcome those old habits? We understand when the Holy Spirit came to live inside of me, I now have a new power to say no. Y'all say that. Say no. no. See, y'all can say it. 
So when you get tempted with something, what do you say? I like to say when my kids were growing up, play Joseph. Run. Don't sit and play with it. Say no and run the other way. See, too often we think, oh, I got Jesus now, so I can, I can play in this. I can play right here. You know, it's okay. I can handle it now, is what we like to convince ourselves because we think we're tough. Quick break. The Holy Spirit's tougher. Our, and, and the Satan is tougher, and so he's always going to win at this. But when, when the Holy Spirit gives you that ability to say no, the things you thought you wanted to do, you no longer are going to do because you have the power of the Holy Spirit living in you so you don't have to do them. See, those daily things, those are things we have to do on a daily basis. When those old thoughts, and they will come in, I don't care how long you've been saved, what you've been tempted with when you were unsaved is what you're going to be tempted with when you're saved. They are going to come back, but the Holy Spirit says we can overcome them when you stay connected to the vine. See, we got to stay connected. We can't think this is about what I can do. And when the Holy Spirit gives us the strength to say no to the things that aren't profitable, he'll help us say no to the things that will distract us from our future. Because how many of you do you know your old habits, your old thought processes, and your old shame and guilt are stopping you from becoming who God's called and created you to be? I'm telling you, that is some good preaching. Y'all should say amen to that one. God is a God of transformations. He's not a God of second chances. He's a God of new beginnings. The old has passed away. It says the new has come. That is what his word says. So if you don't like what I said, blame him. I'm going to give you a tip. You ain't winning that one, but you can argue all you want saying I can do this. And God's saying, no, you can't. That's why I sent my Holy Spirit to live inside of you. That's why we need him. The fourth thing we ended off last week was overcoming fear. The greatest way to overcome fear is turn your thoughts to the Father. When you turn your thoughts to the Father, what does it do? It reminds you whose family you're in. You got the creator of the universe. Says, I'm your Father. In fact, Sean wrote a song not long ago on that. You call me, you know, we're your children. And we call you Father. How many of y'all did that this week? Just sat with God and said, thank you, Father. I'm in the family. Temptation came. You said, "Uh uh-uh. This is who my daddy is. My daddy took care of all of this. My daddy sent his son to the cross to die for me. So I don't have to listen to you anymore. See, they all work together, but they all are apart from you. They're about what God's done. See, it's not about willpower. It's about spirit power living in you. See, I'm no longer under that old contract. I'm no longer under that contract. And because, I don't know if any of you guys are sports people, but it seems like they're constantly reworking contracts for all these players and everything else, trying to figure out how to pay them more or try to figure out how to keep people and how to let people go. See, God don't, God reworked your contract not to bring more people in because he wants you to bring more people in or because he doesn't have enough to keep going. He got more than enough to take care of everything you need. He reworked your contract so you can now enter into the presence of the Father because of what Jesus did, not because anything you could do. And that's why our fear, we turn it to the Father. Say, yeah, but God, you don't know what I'm dealing with. 
I, I love that statement, honestly. God knows everything. Just to let you all know. What would Jesus do if he was here? Well, he is. So don't even ask that question because he's already walking beside you. DPB, again, when we were up at, I told you before, when we were up at uh, Teen Challenge in Brainerd, said, guess who's going to go into the bar with you when you go into the bar after you're saved? Jesus. Because he said, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. So whenever what you're walking into, guess who's walking with you? Jesus. Oh, I saw some long faces on that one. Some of y'all don't like the fact Jesus went with you this week, huh? We all there, and that's why he died. See, don't feel guilt or shame about that. None of that matters because Jesus took the penalty for that. We get to live in the freedom of a new father. So today, the first thing we're going to talk about, those last three weapons we're going to talk about today, is the first one is to overcome hopelessness. We live in a world today that has a ton of hopelessness. They don't know what's next. They don't know what's coming next. And in Romans 8, 17 and 18, it says it this way. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share in his suffering. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory that's coming. So if you want to overcome hopelessness, we got to refocus on the long term, not the short term. Now see, as Christians, we should, we should win this one hands down. Because what do we always talk about? Eternity. We get to live with God in eternity. But what do we focus on? My problems today what I'm going through today. See, when we can shift our focus to the long-term goal of eternity, it takes the weight and the burden of hopelessness today and puts it in its proper perspective. See, we can't miss this one. It seems like it might not make much sense. Some of you are going through some stuff today. There's that thought process of I'll change this or I'll change that when I get older. The problem with that is older never comes. We need to make the decision to rethink today on eternity. We need to refocus on what's important. Because the problem is, is that we become older, we have no idea how our life's going to turn out. I have never met somebody who struggles with an addiction who started that addiction saying, I'm going to be an addict. I don't know anybody, and only because I just looked at Leah, I don't know any woman, just because of what my wife's done in the past, who went into a marriage and stayed in that marriage being abused, who ever thought when she was a little girl, when I grow up, I want to be in an abusive relationship. See, we, we, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. As we found out this last week, we had a dear friend of ours, Pastor Cal, who led our, our missions trips out to Chicago, who all of a sudden died last week, passed away. 66 years old of a heart attack. See, none of us are guaranteed tomorrow. None of us are guaranteed that we can make a change next week. So I am begging you as your pastor today, don't 
walk out of here today if God is saying you need to change something and not change it. Because I can't guarantee you're going to make it home today. I can't guarantee you're going to make it and wake up tomorrow to be able to go to work. Only God knows that. And so we start focusing now on what we want in the future. You want to be a disciple of Christ? Guess what you start to do today? You become a disciple of Christ today. You can't wait until everything's right. Because ain't none of it ever going to be right. And Sunday mornings in this church are a great example of that. We can have everything set up where it should work properly. And the minute we start to do anything, everything falls apart. So if you're waiting for it all to be just right, it ain't going to happen. Just start. You know, the journey of a thousand miles starts with what? The first step. So just start to make the change. Again, remember, God's not looking for you to be perfect. He's looking for you to be progressing. Are you growing? Paul is saying here, he's like, yeah, but you know what? It's not always easy living for Christ. Because it's not. You'll lose friends. Fam some family members may look down on you. You may have to walk away from some things that you thought were important. And that's what we talk about next week about making those hard changes and why they're important. But the benefit, the long-term benefit of turning it around today is your future with Jesus in heaven. Because how many of y'all know that it says in the Bible you will be rewarded for your faithfulness? How many of y'all want some rewards from God? Oh, heck yeah, sign me up. Where I get that one? If you want them, he says, you got to be faithful. you got to be obedient. you got to trust me. And so we focus on what God wants. Paul says the long-term benefit will, will it bypasses any pain you're walking through today. You know, as, we, as I've talked with people and counseled with people about businesses and different things like that, you know, again, if, if you want to see something, say, in five years, you got to start doing the small things today that are going to get you there. Because if you think you're going to wait for five years and all of a sudden it's just going to fall into place, you're going to be exact. In fact, you're going to be farther back than you were when you first started because you have to be constantly moving forward. There is no neutral in life. You're either moving forward or backwards. And so I don't care if that step is only that, you know, okay, I, I made it a hair ahead today. You're still moving forward. Don't, don't judge yourself. Let God just continue the journey with you. The second thing we want to look at today is how do we overcome that unforgiveness or that offense? The way we do that is we have to remind myself that God is good and in control. How, how many of y'all remember the story of the cross? Or you've seen the movie The Passion? Did it look like God was in control? Not a chance. Everything the disciples thought was true about Jesus was being shoved in their face as being a lie because the man who they thought was the Messiah was getting crucified on a cross. But do you know if you keep reading your Bible, it says that was God's plan all along? He had never let up control. 
You know, it wasn't the Romans that crucified Jesus. It wasn't the Jews that crucified Jesus. It wasn't even my sins that crucified Jesus. It was the Father who crucified His Son so He could have a relationship with you. I know, does that not sound crazy? And why? Because He loves you that much. See, we, we refocus. We start to remind ourselves that no matter what's going on in my life, God is still good. No matter what the Satan, the enemy is trying to throw at me, my God is still good and in control. No matter what chaos seems to be going on around me, my God is still in control. My Father has still got me. He's still holding me in His hands. You know, you can be driving down the road, crying, and screaming out to God, saying, God, why is this happening? And then you shut up for a second, and He says, is your problem bigger than me? And you say, no. Okay, that's what I did. You may not have done that. Some of y'all need to do that. And realize your problem is not bigger than your God. Your God is still good. No matter what you're walking through, your God is still good. And guess what he says? I can make all things work for good for those who what though? Who love Jesus. So he puts a prerequisite on it. He doesn't say, if you're a sinner and want nothing to do with me, I'm going to make all things good in your life. Now good things happen because his word also says, guess what? He makes the rain come down on the evil and the good. And thankfully, I am not God, so I don't have to make that call. That is his job. So I'll let him I'll watch my own bobber and run my, run my own race and do my job, which your job is the same thing. Follow Jesus. That's what we're called to do. As we read in through Romans 8, 19 through 25, we see Paul starting to describe everything in this world that's broken. He's describing how life is hard, how life is tough, from how every animal, every plant, every person is living in a broken, sinful world. Doesn't matter what's going on, everything's broken. Like that old Kenny Wayne Shepherd song, everything's broken. See, Paul says that the result of living in a broken world is pain. And its end result, if we are not careful, turns to bitterness. And when we look around and we start seeing others and we start seeing how people have better things and how we see people have things that we want and how we see people who have better jobs and how we see people who start to get um, that, that raise that I should have got and they get promoted when I should have had it because I am a better worker than they am, guess what has creeped into my heart? Bitterness. Resentment. Offense. Poor woes me. Why don't I get that? And my focus is now shifted from the goodness of God to the sorry for me. Why can't my life be better? Why can't I have those things? See, the quickest way to kill, kill being content in your life is start to compare yourself, your life to other people's lives. Comparison is the quickest way to kill contentment that Paul talks about. When Paul says, I've learned to be content in all things, whether I've been rich, poor, starving, beaten, shipwrecked, drawn, you know, all kinds of stuff that he went through. I've learned to be content in all things, he said. Why? Because I know Jesus is with me and God is good. That's why we can have joy in situations that normally you couldn't have joy in. See, when we start to think life is unfair, 
Again, I want you to think about Jesus went through on the cross for you. Did that seem fair? Dude, never sinned. All he did was heal people, help people, and bring good to people. And he got crucified for it. I would say his life wasn't fair. Mine's not that bad. But see, we want to think our life is unfair, but we forget, again, going back to that very first one, to remember what Jesus did. In Romans 8, 26 through 32, we're going to look at quickly six ways that Paul talks about getting over bitterness, resentment, anger, and regret. I put them on your sheet for you. This is where I start getting bogged down and when I was writing my message. See, the first thing that happens when we come to Jesus and we put God first and we say, okay, God, you're still good. God, you're in st- still in control. You can help me. So how are you going to help me, God? The first thing he tells us is that the Holy Spirit is praying for you. How many of y'all know God is praying for you this morning? Yes, we, hear, we read Jesus is at the right hand of the Father interceding for you. The Holy Spirit is living inside of you. Now, we have to remember those are all three gods. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They are that one triune God. And it says the Holy Spirit is going to pray for you. The Holy Spirit is going to be with you, and he will help you. It says in 26 and 27, in certain ways we are weak. But the Spirit is here to help us. For example, we don't know what to pray for, but the Spirit prays for us in ways that we cannot put into words. All of our thoughts are known to God. How many of y'all excited about that one? God knows all your thoughts. Even right now, you think I'm talking too long. He knows that thought. Uh, but He knows all your thoughts. They're all known to God, but He can understand that what you're going through when He says what is in the mind of the Spirit. The Spirit prays for God's people. So what's in your mind, God already knows. He knows what you need help with, and he knows how he can help you, so the Spirit is praying for you today. The second thing it says is God is always at work, and he's always using it for good. Romans 8.28a says, We know that God is always at work for the good for everyone who loves him. So even if you don't think you deserve it this morning, he says you do deserve it because of what Jesus did. See, it's not all good, but God can use it for good. The junk I went through in my marriage, God has used today to help other people in marriages. Was it good at the time? Nope. Didn't like it at all. But He has helped me walk through that, so guess what? Now I have a testimony from the test to help other people prepare for their test. And that's what God does. He's always at work. This next one I love, and it's, it's, it's a passion of mine that I want you guys to get this morning. Romans 8, 28b and 29 says, there are, they are the ones God has chosen for His purpose. And He has always known who His chosen ones would be. He had decided to let them become like His own Son. So His Son would be the firstborn of many children. Now that is just mind-blowing. Do you realize this morning you are chosen? You are chosen by God to be like Jesus as you follow Him. How many of y'all remember growing up, and some of y'all still in school, so this might still work, and you're hoping to not be the last person picked? 
when you were playing dodgeball or kickball or something. You were hoping you'd get chosen, right? Well, guess what? This morning, the creator of the universe has chosen you with the number one draft pick. You are that important to him. And like I said, that to me is just, it just blows my mind. Because I know who I was. I know who I am. And God says, nah, I still love you. I still choose you. Husbands, say that to your wife sometime and watch the look in her eyes. No matter how long we've been married, I still choose you. I did that about a week ago. When you know you're chosen, it changes everything. And that's what God's done. The fourth thing we find goes right along with being chosen. It says, God then accepted the people. He had already decided to choose. And he has shared his glory with them. The fifth thing is God, and this is where some of you need, are, are struggling with today, is guess what? God wants you to succeed. He wants you to be happy. God wants you to be successful in life. He wants you to have better, a better life. See, when I learned, what I learned a long time ago is God loves this church more than I do. God loves my wife more than I do. God loves my kids more than I do. All I need to do is love God. See, when we understand we're chosen and we're accepted, He wants us to succeed. That changes how we think. And the fifth thing is, is God, or yeah, sixth thing is, is God will give you what you need. Romans 8.32 says, Since God did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, won't God who gave us Christ give us everything else? See, sometimes you think that God ain't big enough. He says, guess what? I'll give you everything else. And then he goes on in 35 and says, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean He no longer loves you if you have trouble or calamity or you're persecuted or you're hungry or you're destitute or in danger or threatened with death? See, he lists a bunch of things. Does that mean God doesn't love you if you're struggling? He says what? He says, no! Despite all these things, despite anything that could come against you, overwhelming victory is yours in Christ Jesus. See, Jesus is our David who's overcome our Goliath. And he says, you are not only going to have victory, you are going to have overwhelming victory over those things as you love me. And the last habit, I wish I had like six weeks to cover this one, is insecurity. I believe one of the greatest fears people have today is the fear of rejection. People fear being rejected. So they make bad choices. They compromise what they believe in. They take jobs they know they shouldn't have to get money they don't need to impress people they don't like and who won't be around in five years to care about anyways. But we're afraid of what they think so we do what we know we shouldn't do to impress people who don't care about you. I don't know, that's tweetable, whoever tweets. Because <laughs> that ain't in my notes. See, I, I've seen it happen way too much, and I've seen it happen in my life before I came to Jesus. I've seen it try to creep in after I got saved. Am I going to sacrifice what I know is right to impress people that aren't going to be here with me anyways? They're not going to be in the battle with me. And guess what I learned? When I die, 
I get to stand before God. Y'all don't get to stand with me. He was an amazing pastor. You're like, I don't care. What'd you do with my son? See, I don't get a cheerleading squad when I get to heaven. It's going to be me and God. So I, I, a blessing and a curse. I really don't care what most people think. I'm going to follow Jesus. Do I get counsel? Yes. Do I have friends that will come alongside of me and tell me I'm being an idiot? Yes. I, and I, I welcome those friendships because I know I'm not perfect. I know God's still God and I'm not. But I know what God's me to do. And that's my, that is my cry for you guys. And that is why we say we believe everyone was created on purpose and for a purpose. Because God didn't sit you to just get through life and that dash in your life just be from your birth to your death. It's to leave a legacy in that death that changes history. Because you all are history makers and world changers. And he says, he finishes off in Romans 8.38. And Sean, you can go out and you guys can go ahead and come up. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, nor fears for today, nor worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. There's no power in the sky above, no power in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is found in Christ Jesus our Lord. So it doesn't matter where you've been, what you've gone through, what you've been thinking, how you've been living, what's been happening in your life. None of that matters because none of it can separate you from God's love. Even the people who don't love God, God loves. God has never made a person he doesn't love. God has never made a person he will stop loving. Because he loves his children. And every person he's created is his child. That's why he says later on in his word that I wish that all would come to repentance. I wish that all would come to know the saving love of Jesus. Because he says, I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. I love you as my son and daughter. See, I may lose a lot of things in life. But when I've truly given my heart to Jesus, I cannot lose it. Now, this is the danger in that statement that I want you guys to understand this morning. I don't know whether you have been saved. I'm not God. God looks at the heart. We can judge by the fruit, it says in the Word. But this is a relationship between you and the Father that you make the decision with. 1 John 3a says, see how very much our Father loves us, for He calls us His children, and that is what we are.